Hi, this is Dr. J.P. Sanchez, president for Building the Next Generation of Academic Physicians, as well as editor for a new book entitled Succeeding in Academic Medicine, a Roadmap for Diverse Medical Students and Residents. Um, I want to thank you to this podcast series, whereby we're interviewing co-authors of the book to inspire you to stay on track and becoming a future faculty member. Today, we have Dr. Orlando Sola from Downstate Medical Center, who co-authored or who authored the chapter on the intersection of health policy and academia. How's it going, Orlando? Hey, how are you doing? Thank you for having me. Great, great. So um, as you know, um, the intention of the book and this podcast series is to encourage more diverse trainees to consider academic medicine. Can you share a little bit about your own identity? Sure. So uh, my family, I am a mix of Latino and Filipino heritage, though I was raised more uh, kind of in connection with my Puerto Rican background. So my mom is um, half Puerto Rican and half Filipino. Uh, my grandmother was from the Philippines and my mom was actually born in the Philippines, um, but grew up in the South Bronx. My father is from um, the island, Islander Puerto Rican, um, and I grew up in the New York area and then in, in Western Massachusetts. So I identify as, as Latino, but also have some uh, Pacific Islander, East Asian in me as well. Excellent, excellent. And can you sh also share a little bit about your educational journey? Sure, so um, I went to you know public high school type of thing, and then I did my undergrad at McGill University in Montreal, which was a really great experience. Um, I really got to interact with a lot of people from different backgrounds and different viewpoints, and it set up my interest, my future interest in health policy and a lot of the approaches that, uh, kind of the contextual approaches that highlight the work that I do now. After completing my undergraduate degree um, with a major in anatomy and cell biology, so I got to work, I was a histology TA and I got to work in a gross anatomy lab in med school, so I got a bit of a head start there. Um, and, and after uh, undergrad, I took a year off and did a year in AmeriCorps, working in East LA um, with uh, a mobile medical unit that kind of drove around and provided uh, like MA level care. So blood pressure checks, finger sticks, glucose checks, signing people up for Medicaid types of things um, to, at, at like homeless, I'm sorry, at um, elderly uh, adult living facilities and at immigration centers in East Los Angeles. So I did that for a year, um, and then I went to Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York City. Um, somewhere in there, I took a year off to, to get my MPH in health policy and um, administration in Johns Hopkins University. And then I, once I matriculated, I went into residency family medicine at uh, the Mount Sinai Institute for Family Health program. Um, my primary care clinic was located actually in the South Bronx. So it kind of came full circle, circle there, and that was nice. And, and now where are you working? Now I work at SUNY Downstate. It's located in uh, like Flatbush, East New York area. Um, so yeah, so kind of in Brooklyn now. I live in Queens, kind of do the commute thing. And you are on the clinician educator track, is that correct? Or are you um, the clinical track? No, no, no. So the clinical educator track. So my my uh, academic title is a assistant professor. Um, I'm a core faculty member in our department. So so part of my time getting into kind of the breakdown of what I do as a faculty member. Um, part of my time about 0.6 FTEs or you know a day or two of my week is kind of dedicated to 
um, administrative work in general, mostly focused on the residency, developing lectures, on um, following up on educational topics. But I'm also the medical school contact liaison within my uh, department. So whenever there's a need to develop new curriculum or they need a faculty member to come give a lecture on some part of the physical exam or other aspect of primary care, you know, as a family medicine doctor, we're pretty um, useful in different areas. So uh, they kind of use us to plug in as needed um, in different areas type of stuff. So um, that's the majority of my administrative time is actually focused on the residency and the medical school. Within the medical school, I'm also the uh, associate director of the primary care one rotation. So the third year clinical experience in our school, um, I kind of help do uh, within that specifically the didactic or the learning sessions um, within that. So I, I develop a four week series of didactics that rotates and all the students in the school go through once a month. Um, I've taken the opportunity, the great thing about working at Downstate was I've had the opportunity to pursue a lot of my non-traditional interests there as well. So um, I've been lucky to be able to work with a lot of student groups that focus on things such as like doing um, asylee assessments, uh, doing street medicine and going to Prospect Park uh, and talking to some of homeless population around there. Um, working on advocacy work both at like a local, regional, national level. Um, so some of the other things have been pretty exciting. So you have a lot of things on your plate. Um, why did you decide to be co-author on this book and, and to take responsibility for this chapter in particular? Uh, Dr. Sanchez, are you asking me why uh, I, I use some of my precious time to work on this, on this fantastic project? Um, one thing is I had, I had uh, a lot of great mentorship uh, that helped guide me towards this project through Dr. Sanchez, um, who's always a great motivator and potentiator of the people around him. But I also thought it was important, um, you know, uh, I thought it was important to add to the discourse on this topic and, and kind of give my two cents. And, and part of that is really pushing the, the thought that health policy deserves a more structured and, and um, codified place within the academic uh, dogma. Uh, and that, you know, this is a tool that we haven't really investigated that well, either on an educational side or on a academic, how we can integrate this within the traditional structure of our academic, you know, um, networks and clinical interventions and stuff like that. Uh, so the hope is, I guess, in a nutshell, is to kind of bring policy to the forefront and to use the, the academic lens that has benefited our educational methodology so well and place that onto kind of the policy uh, curriculums and uh, proactive projects that come from that that can really augment the, the student curriculum. So for an example that I, I give is, you know, the traditional curriculum, uh, LCME objectives, ACGME objectives, all include advocacy in some way within their objectives, but there's no structured way that schools currently address this topic. Um, so what's a good way to do that and what's an evidence way to approach this? And that's really what we're trying to investigate with uh, the publication and the chapter here um, that, that we wrote. Uh, the idea is to start this discourse and provide a, a venue for people to start talking about how best to approach health policy within um, ed educational methodology, but also how this doesn't just the outcomes here aren't just more knowledge for our students, but their actual competencies and actions that they take that have benefits for our community. So this will help extend the, the impact of what we do within you know, the White Tower and uh, within these academic spheres out into the community so that more people are benefiting from the work. And I think this proactive form of education um, is more 
agile, more flexible. You know, it's easier to transition to virtual settings kind of in a time right now when we're recording, which is during the COVID pandemic. Um, so um, I really think this, both the methodology and the content reflects kind of the future of, of medical education and where we're going. Well, I think, you know, in, in having worked with you on the chapter and in other writing projects, you write extremely well, and your passion for health policy comes through um, your writings. Um, what, what was the most difficult part about contributing to the book, um, and how did you overcome that challenge? Um, I think for me, my challenge is always containing myself to one narrative. I mean, I, I'm sure my residents would always say like, I'm super tangential as a preceptor um, and as a individual in general. So kind of when, I, when someone gives me a soapbox, soapbox, it's hard for me to, to keep everything kind of channeled between the banks of, of the objectives that we have within that specific project. Um, so it's easy for me to kind of get a first draft out and put my thoughts on paper. It's hard to refine that down um, I remember a story when I was in elementary school of one of our English teachers talking about Is this how, one of those tangential moments? <laughs> this, is, this is, but this is a good one. This is a good one. Okay. Um, but this is how I feel about most of them, I have to say. And if it's bad, you can kind of just cut it out later. But I think it'll stay in. So uh, there's definitely stories that I've, I've heard about how um, someone writing another person a long letter and then apologizing at the end and saying that, sorry, I didn't have the time to write a shorter letter. I was in a rush, so I wrote this that's much longer. That's kind of how I feel at my approach. I, I'm kind of quickly able to put everything down and then it takes me a long time to refine that down. Um, and what's helpful is just being motivated. Um, I'll use air quotations around that by an advisor like Dr. Sanchez that kind of keeps you on track. Well, great. Um, so we definitely want individuals to pick up this book. We want them to realize that you can do health policy and be an academic faculty member. Can you share one or two nuggets um, with the listeners that you would want um, to give them at this moment to inspire them to not only um, pick up the book, but to focus on your chapter? Yeah, so I think um, what's kind of exciting about the policy field within academia is that, again, it's one of the few areas where it doesn't just help you learn more about something, but gives you an actionable tool that isn't used that well within medicine, but it's kind of like seen as one of the future cool things to do. So the policy advocacy affecting, you know, addressing uh, disparities in medicine, marginalized communities, I think that the function of this is to develop that skill set. So um, by reading this chapter, it will kind of give you some actionable things that you can do within your local institution or local community that can help you pursue those ideals that you talked about in your medical school, um, you know, applications and stuff like that, and really become more of a developed clinician that can do more than affect care within the clinical sphere. Uh, I think the second thing is that, you know, this both gives you the tools, but this gives you the tools to help provide tools for other people as well. So, you know, the, the function of this whole project is to allow our, uh, the learner not just to learn the material, but also to become experts and pass that on forward. So not only can this help you, but this can help you affect, affect and change um, uh, your surroundings, both in the clinical, the academic setting, and hopefully help you develop more as a clinician and academician in the process. Well, excellent. I want, I want to thank you again for participating in this podcast. Um, the, the chapter is very impressive, uh, impressive, and I'm looking forward to seeing your future submissions, um, not only for the book, but also Medit Portal. So thanks again, Orlando. No problem. Have a good day.